Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. I'm Fergus in Chicago. As always, you can see the creative work associated with this and all of our episodes on our website at onstrategyshowcase.com. Some upcoming shows include Expedia. They have a new campaign out from Anomaly in Los Angeles. We're also planning and hoping to do sort of a retrospective on John Lewis, the John Lewis Christmas campaign work with Adam and Eve DDB. We're trying to pull this together in the same sort of spirit as what we did with Guinness when we looked at the work and how it shifted and adjusted over the years. I'm really excited about hopefully making that happen in the next few weeks. We've also finally been able to rope in the fabulous Martin Weigel of Wyden and Kennedy in Amsterdam. If you follow Martin's blog, you realize that he is like one of the best thinkers in our industry. His blog posts, I think, are uh, very well known around the world. So excited to have him. And uh, we also have Aldi uh, supermarkets coming up. We have McDonald's, the Kiwi Burger case study, and we have Lexus in Hong Kong which is actually a great episode and part of the Wark series of award winners from last year that we recorded. And I'm also hoping to have Airbnb on the show to talk about their new campaign. They have a really strong internal creative group with some outside creative advisors. So we're hoping to pull together a show in the next few weeks. So my fingers are crossed on that one. However, today we talk about the evolution of the EOS brand, EOS. The brand came on the scene in 2009. The mission was to turn everyday moments into awesome sensory experiences for your lips and your skin. And you may remember back then, if your household is anything like ours, and there was just lots of these sort of egg-shaped, these small egg-shaped lip balms that were in different colors. And while the lip balm was not the brand's first product, it was the uh, product that made the business successful and made the actual brand famous. Now, if we fast forward to 2018, So Young Kang joins as their CMO. Her brief was to reinvigorate the brand and its product uh, pipeline. She'd come out of Bath and Body Works and L Brands. Uh, we talked today about the journey she's taken with the brand and the new work they've developed with uh, Mischief in New York City. Uh, this included the uh, terrific Vaginastics video series and that extraordinary organic social initiative with Carly Joy on TikTok. It's actually really terrific. And it was the actual way that this brand got on my radar in the last couple of weeks. So uh, we'll be right back with EOS after this message. Shining a light on truly effective work has never been more important, which is why work has reinvented the way effectiveness awards are judged. The work awards for effectiveness in association with Lions are built and benchmarked on the consistent global framework of the creative effectiveness ladder. Every shortlisted entry will receive feedback on how it performed against the ladder's framework. So if you're a marketer or strategist with an example of effective marketing, be sure to enter the 2022 Work Awards for Effectiveness. They're global, open to all, and easy to enter with six different categories to choose from. And at a time when budgets are stretched, they're completely free to enter. Entries are now open and the deadline is March 2nd. Head to work.com backslash awards backslash effectiveness for more details. That's work.com backslash awards backslash effectiveness for complete details. So this is Soyoung Kang, CMO at EOS, and Bianca Gamares, partner and executive creative director at Mischief in New York City. Enjoy. 
So welcome to you both. Excited to have this conversation. There's been great work coming out of Mischief and um, what you guys have been doing together. And, you know, I was I was um, initially sort of blown away by this uh, Carly Joy thing, which will from TikTok that we'll talk about later in the conversation. But that sort of got this on my radar. And then when I started to, to look into EOS, I began to sort of connect the dots in my head from the products that I see all around my house and then uh, what you guys are delivering. So I'm excited to have you both here. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. So let's let's start off with uh, I asked one of my daughters. I have a I have a 15 year old daughter of 15 year old twins, and I asked one of them last night when I was in the car, "What what does EOS stand for?" And she got the second two words right, but she missed the first one. So uh, uh, Soyoung, can you tell us you know what are what does EOS stand for? <laughs> so fun fact, EOS stands for the evolution of smooth. And actually, you're not alone um, that a lot of people actually don't realize that that's what the um, the brand name stands for. And it's pronounced EOS. It's pronounced EOS, but that's another thing. So I, I will tell you that across all of our social media channels, people are fascinated by the fact that they don't know, that they didn't know what EOS stands for. And the fact that most um, most of us on the you know on the inside within the company call it EOS versus EOS. So it sounds like it sounds like it's a name that wasn't generated by a lot of creative thinkers. It was a little bit more practical in its structure. Where did the name? Who did it come from? And and what was the idea behind it? So originally, um, even though I think most of um, most of your audience probably knows us as the uh, lip balm brand, actually our first product ever was a shave cream. And so the idea was that the shave cream was, um, you know, sort of an entry into a different kind of smooth. So that's where the name came from. It was the evolution of smooth derived by literally just the first product launch. Interesting. So who started the company and 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 what were they, you know, where did they come out of? Yes. So the, originally the company was started by, um, by a small group of entrepreneurs who had never worked in the personal care business before. And their idea was that they really wanted to take the learnings that they had, like seeing the, um, you know, coming out of businesses that were being incubated in various industries, they really felt like there was an opportunity to disrupt a category or an industry that really wasn't being disrupted. And that's, that's kind of like mass um, personal care. Um, and, and today, I think that that, that seems maybe more obvious in, in hindsight, um, because there are so many brands that are launching all the time in these channels um, and in these categories where um, maybe there were there have traditionally been these really large incumbent brands and they haven't done things differently in, you know, for, for many years. Um, so today you see categories like, you know, Band-Aids and, and vitamins and, and toothpaste being disrupted left and right. But back then, this is a little over 10 years ago, that wasn't actually um, as common. And so I really um, oh, I, I really think it it's incredible that they, these um, folks who hadn't worked in the industry before really saw the opportunity to disrupt um, an industry that that had been run running really the same way for for decades. So it reminds uh, me actually of it reminds me of method because method came out of a guy who worked in marketing and ended up disrupting the hand soap and other products I'm assuming, but built, I mean, I think he built a billion dollar business with method and with the same attention to the aesthetic as well as the product, which is similar to what you guys do. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's really the goal. The original goal was to take categories that were not necessarily um, thinking holistically about the consumer experience. So, you know, whether it's obviously the performance and efficacy have always been sort of like the the, the number one drivers of product development and innovation within um, within the mass um, CPG category. But beyond that, there were things that were happening outside of that. So from the inspired by the design world to create more beautiful, more desirable packaging, Um, things that were happening in premium and prestige beauty around just creating more enjoyable experiences. So whether that's, you know, sensorial, whether it's the touch and the feel of the packaging, it's the touch and the feel of the, the product, like the goop itself, what it smells like, how it feels to use it. And so really the vision, um, you know, for these founders was to, create a more enjoyable, holistic, delightful experience in a very 360 way in categories that had not been thinking about the consumer experience in that way. So it, it seems to me from my recall, which could be flawed, that the the shaving brands or products did not make the impact that the lip balm did. What you was it about right. lip balm? Because lip balm, I mean, think about it. It's a super, it's like Chapstick is the big brand in that space. Then there's others like Smith's and that are, that are taking a more refined approach to it. But it was super functional in how it was marketed. And, uh, and then, so tell us about what you guys sort of brought to that. The team that, that, um, you know, that created EOS, it wasn't just about launching just a shave cream and then waiting and seeing, seeing what happened. Their, their goal was really to launch a portfolio of products Um, that all went after categories that were largely being ignored, um, you know, by by the incumbents in the category. And so they started with shave cream, but they launched uh, lip balm really quickly on the heels of that. And the idea there was that if lip balm was a category that hadn't seen a lot of innovation, then then isn't there a huge opportunity for us to to really stand out by doing things differently? Um, and, and we all kind of are familiar with the traditional um, format of lip balm. And so the, the original team um, really kind of were inspired by just completely breaking that template. So if, if everybody else looks like a stick, let's, let's go in and look like a ball. <laughs> that sounds, that doesn't sound like, you know, like the most um, like genius in inspiration, I suppose, but it actually was, it was genius. Yeah, right. Sure. Hello. Well, you're right. <laughs> because when you think about it, you're, you know, you're walking down the aisles, you're, you know, you're sort of like most shoppers who are shopping in, um, in, in the mass market and food, drug and mass, they're sort of like shopping on autopilot. Um, or at least, you know, they, they definitely were 10, 10 plus years ago. Um, you're really thinking about, um, you know, what do I need to replenish? But EOS comes along and they basically, you know, by creating something that visually completely stood out from from the rest of the field, they created this sort of like, whoa, what's that kind of moment? Um, and then it also happened to coincide with the um, the birth and rise of social media. And so by being a brand that launched in this disruptive, um, innovative way, but also being born at a time when a disruptive, innovative medium of sharing that's visual, that's highly... Um, uh, you know, that that where people are, are looking to sort of like show off their, you know, the things that they, they've found and discovered, um, that really accelerated the growth of EOS in a way that I, I think was um, was not only about having the right idea, but it's it's sort of having the right idea at the right time. Did the brand platform of Refreshingly Playful, did that, it, was that the original platform or was that the evolved platform? It's the evolved platform. It's okay. actually, um, you know, some of the work that we've done um, in the more recent years. 
Okay. So, so when you look at the success of, of the lip balm, what do you think drove that success? Was it social? Was it viral? Was it public relations? Uh, were, were there any sort of brand campaigns or, or films or content out there that's, that you felt sort of helped you proactively build the personality or did the sort of, did it organically happen for you? So in the, you know, in the initial years, and, and again, just a caveat, I, I wasn't there, um, but what I, what I can see as sort of an outside observer as somebody who's, who's taken the reins um, in, in the more recent years is that I do think that the, um, you know, the product really struck a chord with, um, with young consumers and young audiences. Um, as I, you know, as I mentioned, the, the birth of social media and the rise in social media was something that really accelerated its growth and, and it, the, the virality really like took hold there. And then lastly, I do, I think there was some really genius marketing that happened um, to really amplify and, and drive that awareness, which was, this is a brand that in the original days of influencer marketing really embraced that opportunity. So there was social media, but there's also influencer. And so if you go back to the um, those first few years, you really see that EOS was, was a brand that embraced, um, you know, like creating collaborations with the Kardashians and with um, celebrities who were just discovering that they could, um, you know, frankly, monetize their their audiences in social media, which was relatively new. So I have, um, you know, so much respect for the team and, and what they did based on what was essentially a, 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 you know, a startup that nobody had ever heard of to be able to drive that level of awareness over just a couple of years, I think is is really incredible. Can you tell us what what year you joined? I joined in 2018. Okay. So when you come on board, uh, what is your brief from the people who hire you? And what is your sense of what's happening in the business at that time in 2018? Yeah. So the the brand had been around at that point, but then it was nine years at that point. Um, and I was really brought in. I was the first ever chief marketing officer, and I um, was brought in with a mandate that uh, you know kind of covers the, the scope of my my area is not only sort of the traditional areas of um, of marketing and brand um, and creative, but also I do all um, also oversee the product pipeline, product development, product innovation, and so um, my uh, mandate was really to take a brand that had had just a stratospheric phenomenal, unbelievable growth for the first, um, you know, six, seven years of its life. And then really started to um, soften in, you know, the, the, like the couple of, like the year or two right before I had joined. Um, and, and that makes sense. I mean, I think that a lot of brands that grow really, really quickly, they have a really high, you know, they, when they're super hot, eventually you reach a, a point where even if you're still a healthy business and still growing, it's cooler than in the initial sure, years. And, yeah. that, and that's a, a natural kind of life cycle thing that happens within brands and businesses. My job was to reset the foundation of the brand. Um, you know, I, I learned pretty quickly that it was um, some of it was resetting and some of it was like creating. And then also to um, to launch into a more diversified uh, path for growth. Um, and for me, that meant we needed to diversify our portfolio footprint. It, me- it meant that we needed to strengthen our brand story that we so that we stood for more than an egg-shaped lip balm, but that we had a brand purpose that was stretchy enough to be able to cover these other um, adjacent territories that we knew we wanted to expand. So was was part of the challenge that playful the playfulness of the brand and the actual buyer of the brand, which tended to maybe be a little bit younger than 
the 20 to 25 year old target, at least in terms of what I've read. Was that part of the challenge that the brand uh, didn't have the credibility that it needed to target um, uh, a, a different audience or more expansive audience? You know, I think I think there are a number of different things. I, I do think that what, what you're poking at right now is inherently always the challenge of a brand that it, that has um, a, a younger demographic at its core, because younger demographics, oftentimes they, they, they age up and um, you have to figure out whether you're a brand that's going to grow up with them or whether you're going to um, now sort of like recenter your bullseye. Um, into the next generation. That was that's a strategic decision that we that you know brands have to make when they have a that's that sort of tight focus on um, a younger consumer, and that certainly um, was a part of what was happening. But I also think that um, the the other thing that that is, was happening was that up until then we were really known as a lip balm company. But in order to kind of move beyond that, you really have to become a a brand um, versus a company that that sells a particular product. Um, and so, you know, the, you know, if I, even if I go back and think about the, the, the platform, the platform that um, for many years was being used was EOS is the lip balm that makes you smile, um, which is sweet and cute, but it's still centered on a specific product. And so we needed to broaden that platform and make it stand for more than just lip balm. And then the last piece of things is that I do think um, this happens very often with, with brands that are super hot and grow really, really quickly, but, um, you know, if, if brand strategy is the scaffolding around which you build future growth, then a business that grows really quickly may not need as much scaffolding because, because the growth really comes fairly easily. Um, and so then, you know, at, at the point when the growth sort of starts to slow down or, you, you know, you see that um, happening, it's really important then to make sure that you're investing in what that, that, the, you know, the bones of your brand really stand for. And I think as a business that grew really, really quickly in its initial years, we needed to come back to, um, to that, that foundation and make sure that we had a strong enough scaffolding on which to build in order to be able to, to have future growth opportunity. So Bianca, thank you for being so patient there. Um, no in, worries. In, um, in this. So, um, you are a, a, um, Executive Creative Director of Mischief. So this um, this comes to you guys. Uh, how does it get on? Uh, how does it get to a meeting with you guys? And what's the what's the talk around the agency about what the brand challenge is? Yeah, I think um, you know when we when we connected, we were all excited because it was a brand that everybody knows and everybody has used or still uses it. And we knew that the strength of the brand, like having that kind of like product focused, um, uh, you know, everybody knowing that egg shaped lip balm was um, awesome, but it was also the weakness, meaning we knew that we needed to, uh, Yields had a lot more. We knew that part of our mission was going to be um, helping like bust open the doors to the full array of products, but not only products, but helping build a narrative of the brand, the voice of the brand, like, you know, getting people to look at EOS or hear EOS and understand like the sort of like what the, the brand stands for. I mean, when Sayang and her team like shared the ambitions with us, we knew that they had like this huge appetite for disruptive work. Can I just mention, I think, I think our brief was, we want you to scare us a little bit. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is, is true. Nice. That is true. Yes. 
Because, uh, you yeah. know, we, we, the thing is, is like, it, it, you know, why have outside partners if you can't, if they can't kind of like get you to see something that you wouldn't have seen yourself. And so this idea was, you know, we were seeing the amazing work that Mischief was doing in its like in its infancy, which, you know, I can't believe it, you know, you guys are, um, are relatively new to the scene considering how much, how many waves you've already made in the industry. For those who don't know Mischief, um, uh, Bianca and Greg Hahn uh, came out of BBDO. And uh, Greg Hahn, um, very well known, very famous in the industry as the chief creative officer for BBDO uh, um, North America. And um, so you guys are, have been really disrupting things. I mean, that's really at the core of what Mischief is all about. So can you can you tell us about some of the early work that you did uh, for the brand, Bianca, and, and what you yeah. wanted it to say about the brand? Yes, yeah, for sure. Um, and I have to mention also my partner, Kevin Moroy, who's been, um, on, uh, the whole journey with us, but yeah. So, I mean, like, like, so young said, like we have a, we know we always like take our sort of, you know, new clients or, you know, uh, prospective clients to, through this quick deck of like showing who we are. And like, you know, we, th- this one sort of sentence lined up with what they wanted to do. And it's this whole idea that we believe that brands that the most dangerous things that brands can do is to be ignored. And I think the first work that we did together was for the, um, it was the, the pandemic was kind of ending. I mean, at the time we thought it was like kind of ending. We were still like in it, but, uh, but things were getting better and people were starting to go out again. Out of that came out the obligation celebration work that we did. And the whole thing was like the obligation celebration was all the, obligations that you used to have in the past were now things that you were really looking forward to. So before you would just like go to the pharmacy to refill your birth control prescription. Now you were like, you know, excited and putting on a dress and like <laughs> dancing to the pharmacy to do it or going to the dentist to get your braces fixed. So like all of those things were things that now Eos is there to, you know, to help you get ready for all the things that you used to hate doing. Now, the line at the, the line at the yeah. end of that spot, I think, is just brilliant. It says, uh, "You're going to love doing the things you used to hate." <laughs> yes, exactly. Soon I'll get to leave my house to do stuff and go places. Can't wait to see some strangers and their super annoying faces. Yes, I'm standing still in traffic, and I've never felt so blessed. And oh God, I'm so excited. I missed this. So, so young, it, did that scare you? That work? I was, I was uh, exhilarated by the work, <laughs> and 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 I think the mission is to scare. But the good, the good part of it is that, like every time they they give us something that's you know braver than we would have come up with, um, you know, before it is exhilarating. And I think that for us, even pushing the boundaries on in. In an ad, we're talking talking about like refilling your birth control and getting a pap smear and all the things that you know are very very normal for our audience and our consumer to do, um, and turning it into into something that's like a it's you know we can be there for you along the way as you get back and, and reinsert yourself back to these mundane tasks. <laughs> that, yeah, that smart stuff. It was very smart. Tell us about what vaginastics was. First of all, before I kind of get into that execution, we started like, you know, the whole goal for us was always to like, uh, make sure that everything that we do has like, you know, strategy behind it and has like a tone of voice and that we're building a brand that makes sense. We, we're not interested in just doing like, oh, let's just do something, you know, um, uh, bold for the sake of it. Or let's just put some like, you know, 
words that are uh, that people usually wouldn't see in ads in an ad and like shock people like it's not because it's not for that and we really saw eos as this like brand that was real that like could have the like own this unpolished talk relatable kind of like i said the you know the witty best friend that's like in the know that's like broaching all the taboo conversations not taking themselves too seriously um and part of like you know building that was um and uh, and by the way the the bless your your cooch work came before that so like i know we'll talk about that in the second part of the journey was um let's continue owning these conversations and um, so as a continuation to like, there's nothing wrong about shaving, um, you know, uh, everybody, does, like every woman does. If it was like, basically, if, you know, the same way that men shave their faces, their beards, like we have to shave um, our vaginas. And this was like, you know, let's just, um, let's just talk about it and let's show how there's a lot more that goes into it. And like, you know, th- there was this sort of playful nature of the fact that like to shave, you have to like, contort yourself and like stand in these positions that are like hard to you know to stand on and to get in like areas that's hard to get to and the whole the whole like vaginastics being like this sort of exercise to get you in like you know in in proper um shape like it, feel, it not feels like, like a, it feels like in 1980s an exaggerated <laughs> yeah. 1980s jane fonda um exercise exactly. thing right it's just exactly. jazzer, jazzercise right Shaving your vag is no easy task. So let's get loose before shaving that goose. Ready? Let's go! The wartime captain. Front and back. Front and back. Shave your matey! <laughs> Front and back. The cello. Does anyone else hear symphony number no. five in C major? Plug those strings. The tripod. Shaving down there can feel like this Olympic level gymnastic routine. <laughs> so like, yeah. So like, you know, getting people to, but, but because it's a taboo su- subject, like no one really teaches you how to do it. So we're going to, we wanted to create this workout program that would show these moves that you're going to need to build stability, flexibility, like, you know, and um, creativity even that you need into like getting your, uh, you know, your hoo-ha in shaving shape is like what we were kind of like joking around so so uh, vaginastics was was vaginastics in part do you feel um inspired by uh uh bless your cooch i I don't think it was inspired by it but it was part of like you know building a brand that's like you know smashing taboos and like open to having these conversations and so it's like made sense coming from that brand as we're building like this voice but um it wasn't necessarily let's kind of um it was a continuation but not like necessarily the continuation the sense of like brand building but not necessarily like an execution role now the the uh the thing that got on my radar initially and i'm so curious how this all started um how how did carly joy get on your radars uh, I don't know. I don't know where this conversation starts. Did it start with inside the client so young, or did it start inside the agency, Bianca? It was so young bringing it to us. Basically, yeah. she emailed us. I think it was like late on a Tuesday or like something, and she was just like, "So I just saw this video, and it's like going viral." <laughs> I think there was like fifteen million views or something, 
And so like the, you know, it features our shaving cream and um, it, the response has been totally bonkers. Let's, you know, let, you know, should we do something beyond sort of the normal amplification to capitalize on the, on this? And we were like, we should absolutely do yeah. it, you know, do something because honestly, like it was, it's like a, you know, for a, a brand to get that organic, um, like mentioned or like featured with like that many views, it was like already like, you know, a jackpot and then doing something to capitalize on it. We felt like it was exactly the, the right thing to do. But so young, I don't know if you, you want to talk about how you encountered it in the first place. And she wasn't, a, she was just for the, for the listener, uh, Carly Joy was not a paid influencer, right? No, no, she was not. So, so essentially what, what happened was, um, Carly Joy is a young, incredible content creator, um, on TikTok and Instagram, but it was her TikTok that, that caught our attention. And she posted, um, somebody had, had asked her, um, in response to one of her TikToks, like, you know, my, my razor bump, my razor bumps could never like, or, you know, like she, somebody's basically saying like, I, how, how do you do it? Like, how come you have no razor bumps in your bikini area? And so then Carly Joy launches into a, um, an unbelievable, real, authentic, profanity-laden, um, <laughs> hilarious, highly instructional, educational, and very detail-oriented video on TikTok about how she blesses her effing cooch. <laughs> Sorry, I hope I can say that. <laughs> yeah, you can. And she, and she like specifically is like, it, you know, it, all of you guys need you know, this, and she like holds up an, uh, an EOS, uh, shave cream. For my, um, my people with female parts out there, I'm about to tell you the secret for how to bless your fucking cooch. You need this shit. It is an absolute blessing. And it, it, you can dry shave with this. That's fucking saying something. I use the fat ass Venus Gillette razors. I obviously cannot show my cooch on camera. So pretend this is it, right? You're going to take this. Hopefully in the shower. If you're not, fuck it. It still works. You're going to put that all there. Then, listen to this fucking part. You're going to go down first. Then you're going to go sideways on half of it this way. Sideways on half of it this way. And then you go up. I swear. I swear by it. And now, you have a smooth ass hoo-ha. You're welcome. So Carly Joy posts this TikTok and like immediately, she didn't even tag us on it, by the way. So, but it came through because people started seeing it on our, on our For You page. And also like people start like tagging us in the comments. And so we wanted to get in touch with her because of course, like we're, we're like, oh my God, we, we have to partner with this um, unbelievable creator. We need to, we need to do something with this, but we couldn't reach her. Um, and we also, we just like, frankly, we didn't know what to do, um, other than trying to kind of like keep messaging, DMing her. Um, but she wasn't replying back to us. And I was like, we got to do something with this. And we have, first we have to reach her and we have to create a campaign around this. And we were desperate at that point. It was only, it was only a few days, but in TikTok time, that's like a lifetime. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I, I reached out to, um, to mischiefs. I'm like, these guys are going to know something. They'll figure they, they're going to know what to do with this. So I reached out to them. I think, you know, Bianca got it right. It was like six something on a Tuesday and literally within minutes, um, the, the team emails me back and they're like, we're going to have things for you tomorrow morning. Like it was, it was like an immediate response. And we met the next morning. So it was, I think we met like, you know, in like, like 16 hours after my first email to the team. So why, why did that, why did that happen, Bianca? That's, that's like, that's the, uh, I mean, something must have immediately come to mind, right? 
she was like the embodiment of almost like all the things that we were like that, that we were trying to do in terms of like what the brand was the way she was like so transparent I think we jumped on a zoom like me my partner our strategists our account person we, just, we were just like okay let's chat what can we do and we just started like talking about um, what we could do. We came up with the idea of doing it like kind of on the fly. Uh, so a couple of people on, on, on the team on the same Zoom, we started riffing some ideas. Our planner was like, okay, um, let's, uh, I can work on some like ways in. And, you know, we were like, okay, we're going to riff some stuff. And then I think maybe in that Zoom or first thing in the morning, we kind of just said, what if we put her words in the product, change the name of the product because her her video was like a, a tutorial on how to use the, the shave cream in Navica with language that was very, um, um, you know, clear and direct and is uh, matching all the taboos that you could possibly think of. So uh, we were like, let's just call this, um, you know, the bless her fucking hooch uh, shave cream, and um, and we uh, and then we we basically like quoted her with the instructions in the back and we were like okay we're probably gonna take this idea to them and they're gonna be like are you guys crazy we can never like change the words in the product like this requires like months of like label and and uh, changing the labels and producing stuff and but we're like okay let's still talk about it and how we can like reach out to her and partner and etc so when we did mention to them, they were like, we love it and we can make it happen tomorrow. And we were like, okay, this is like, they weren't kidding when they wanted to like, you know, be disruptive and, and really kind of uh, do, the, do this kind of work. And that's what they, they did. This is actually, we're going to play Carly Joy's reaction. I'm about to tell you the secret for how to bless your fucking cooch. You're fucking joking. They made cooch blessing cream, like literal cooch blessing cream. For a smooth ass hoo-ha. And the back? The back is even better. The instructions? They directly quoted. That's my instructions. And I even, oh my god. I had never tried any of this shit before, right? Like, they sent a bunch of shit. I'm telling you. The vanilla is still my favorite. The lavender is like, close second. But I'm telling you. This shit is the secret to a smooth ass hoo-ha. It's how to keep blessing your cooch. Bless your cooch. Go find you. Shit, bro. How did you actually get the package to her? And why did she not react to the brand when it reached out? Did you ever figure that out? Yes, because she's um, she's a minor. <laughs> so she actually, she does, she ignores all of her, um, probably the majority of the DMs that are coming her way should be ignored. Um, <laughs> right, that's so, true. Yeah. So she, I mean, at the time she was 16. Um, and you know, and, um, we, so we were trying to reach out to her. Um, we, we were, you know, in the comments and, and whatnot, but I think, you know, as, as a creator, she gets so many comments and DMS, but so we needed to get her attention. And so before we could get the product to her, what we really needed to do was to, um, create something that would just sort of like cut through and really the way to do that on TikTok, you know, for, for, everybody who's sort of, you know, if you know, you know, you're having conversations and TikTok through duets and stitches and things like that. And so we knew that like the, this idea was, was brilliant because it would allow us to respond to her on the TikTok platform, not like, you know, on like in the DMS or in the comments and that she would see it. And so that is when she responded to us. We duetted her TikTok I think we, we, you know, we talked to these, these guys on a Tuesday, we had the idea locked and agreed to on a Wednesday, we started production 
um, on the boxes that, you know, on the bottles, sorry, that, that night on Wednesday night. And we um, duetted her, I think by that Friday. And then we had the product in her hand by Saturday because we had like a FedEx box ready to go. So it, I mean, this all happened so quickly and it had to, because I mean, that's, that's like, you know, you, you miss the window and suddenly it's, it's just, it's not making the same impact. But then we also simultaneously, when we, um, we had ready to go production, as long as we were, you know, we had secured like the partnership, the collaboration, and, and obviously the rights to use her IP, we had the larger production run on more um, of these shave creams ready to go, which then I think we we then were able to launch an entire campaign um, with a with the larger production run on these very special bottles that became um, a, like the, the must-have shave product of, of the season. Um, and so the campaign really then was able to take off and, and continued on for, for weeks after that. With with the Carly with the Carly Joy packaging, yeah. So we we actually had um, we had the special Carly Joy um, packaging ready. I, I think it was within in less than two weeks after all of this um, happened, and so those were um, a special edition that we made for. Um, we we had influencers, we had our own social community. We you know we we felt like at that point that the, the bottles were gold, and so they weren't necessarily for selling um, at that point, but we we had so many people who wanted them. Um, and then within a few months after that, we had an even larger true production run that we then sold on our D2C and sold out in 24 hours. I love yeah. it. Just It's just amazing. <laughs> Go ahead, Bianca, sorry. Yeah. No, I forgot to mention this. Like all of that you just said now, so you're completely right, because when we came up with the idea of like changing the words and the packaging to her words, um, we still had the problem of like, but how do we get to send this to her? So we we knew like a you know a great team that would that we had like a copyright on our director, and we we're like, this is right up their alley. Like, let's get them like thinking about all of this, and they come up with like a bunch of different content type things that we could post. And like one of the most genuine things like was doing what TikTokers do, which is like yeah the duet. And I think it was basically having her video on like half of the frame, and and then whenever she was saying instructions and the name we had um we filmed um the bottle already printed and the box saying all the words and as we were pointing to the word so she was talking about it and we were like filming the product and sh- like turning it around showing the you know guiding them through like the the all of the instructions so that got her attention because then like a lot of people saw that and that uh that's how she was like oh this is amazing and we're like we want to send you some and talk more so that's um that was a little detail <laughs> i'm glad that you that you mentioned that i forgot so if it's not clear to the listener what this is when we talk about her words in in her first post when she raved about positively raved about the product she it's just great it's this great uh, post, as you've already heard, if you're a listener. So what what the brand then did is they took the words from that post and printed them onto the bottle. And so that's what we're talking about is literally when you read the instructions, they're actually uh, Carly Joy's words. So that's what that means. As a brand, like when I look at obligation celebration, you could certainly say that that is um, a blend of product marketing and brand marketing. Um, and certainly vaginastic, you could say the same, but from a personality perspective, but I'm curious, is there a, is there a brand campaign that you see in the future or will there always be that blend of product and, and brand personality reflected in the creative work? I, I think that's a really great question. Um, and it is something that 
I think that I, I think about my, my team and I think and talk about quite a lot, but I think we often come back to the core and the heritage of the brand where it started from. And frankly, even just our own inclination, which is that we're, we don't, we don't want to tell only product stories. We don't want to tell only brand stories. We want to tell brand stories that are centered on a product truth. And I think that like, you know, for, for us, because we're a smaller organization, um, you know, we, we run relatively lean. Um, and so we really need to make our marketing work super hard for us. And so, um, I think that, our consumers um, not only want to, like need to, but they frankly want to know about the product. And I think that's actually very indicative of this younger generation. I mean, Gen Z is the generation that researches everything before they make a they make a purchase. So brand stories alone aren't going to cut it with this target audience. They really need to understand and, and know that there's a product truth and a product superiority that, that's underlying that brand story. But the great thing is, is that like, I think with, with partners like, like Bianca and Kevin and, and Greg, we have the, the a, a really smart, creative and strategic way for us to tell those stories, but we don't have to sacrifice product truth um, in order to tell those stories. Thank you so much. It's uh, So Young uh, Kang is CMO of uh, EOS in New York City, and Bianca Gamares, partner and executive creative director of Mischief uh, in New York. Thank you both for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been really great. And I hope you feel better, uh, by the way, Bianca. You just uh, we forgot you. to mention been... you just tested positive for COVID. <laughs> My God. I know. I've been like holding some coughs over here. I was like trying really hard not to cough. So. Yeah, you did, you did terrific. And thank you for, for going <laughs> through this. Uh, thanks, Sojung. Thanks so much. This is really a great conversation. And we'll see everybody in the next episode.